0: the humble hair tie, a destructive environmental killer? That's what we're talking about on today's Low Tox Life podcast.
1: If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. His wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light.
0: Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 285. We are closing in on 300 shows, people. I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for the reviews you leave online, the feedback. I really, really appreciate it, and nothing makes me happier than seeing the positive effect that our shows, whether they be around health or environment or sustainable brands have on your life. So please always feel free to share with me on Instagram stories at Life is where you'll find me there. And uh, I love sharing them across and letting other people know how you went by implementing something from the show. So today we are talking about hair accessories, Uh, but it's a broader conversation. I have the founders of Kushu, uh, hair products, so by that I mean hair ties, scrunchies, headbands and a few other interesting things in the works. And it's one of those things, right? When I started writing about everyday household things like tooth floss or frying pans, uh, uh, the Teflon coating on your iron uh, and finding people different ways to choose better products for our health and the environment, I went what ten years into my low tox journey of writing about things before I realised that the hair tie needed scrutiny as well, and it just goes to show you can only know what you know. And it was about five years ago that I was like, "Yeah, what is what are these made from?" And of course, it's a petroleum festival. So, uh, I wanted to find if there was anything on the market that was better than that, and then kushu popped up. Uh, And they're ranged at some of our favorite low-tox stores. Uh, Shout out to Biome, uh, shout out to Nourished Life and so many more. But you can also, of course, get them direct from their website. And... I wanted to reach out to the founders to jump on the show because I just think it's one of those things that so many of us have never thought about before. I'm like, if I was that person, then maybe there are millions of people out there as well. And so we're actually going to deep dive into what it actually takes to build a sustainable hair tie. Uh, It was a fascinating process to look at with bras a couple of years ago with Stephanie, the founder of Very Good Bra. Uh, you know, everything right down to the little eyelets and the wire clips and the stitching. And I think it's really important for us to see just how much effort a low-tox brand makes to do something right from the get-go and not compromise. And so if you ask yourself, you want what now for a five-pack of hair ties or a four-pack of hair ties? then maybe, just maybe, we can actually invest that money in that more expensive brand and maybe, just maybe, we can look after them and not lose them every three seconds because they become precious, which is such a huge part of the low-tox mindset shift, right? So I'm going to hook into that chat with the founders, Jesse and Rachel in just a little minute. But as I do each week, we have some wonderful low-tox brands that help you make your swaps a little sweeter and lighter on the pocket. Uh, first up, a uh, final reminder if you are listening live that you just have a few days left to make the most of these two offers. Number one is the offer from Block Blue Light, which is a fantastic 15% off the range for the month of May. You get the code LOTOX15 that you can use at the checkout and that will give you 15% off of the whole store. Now these guys sell amazing red light panels, so 15% can make a really big dent in a purchase like that that's several hundred dollars if that's something you've been considering lately, fantastic for inflammation, for mitochondrial boosting, anyone with chronic illness, chronic inflammation, neuroinflammation, this can be a very game-changing product for you. But I just wanted to mention also another product that they brought out last year, which is called the BioLite Full Spectrum Light. And this is going to be perfect if you live, you know, somewhere where you've maybe got a south side of the house or a north side for the northern hemisphere where it's a little bit darker and you do need to use lighting during the day or maybe it's your small business office and you wanted to bring healthier lighting into your office space. The BioLite Full Spectrum Light is – the first biologically friendly lighting technology of its kind to appear anywhere in the world. So, what does that mean? It's the most advanced technology Block Blue Light has ever developed. So, it's the first day to night full spectrum downlight, bringing the outdoors inside with BioLite full spectrum light. So, it has three modes to provide optimal lighting all day and all night. And by turning the light off and on again at the switch, it initiates the next mode for that phase of the day. You don't have remotes. You don't have Wi-Fi. There aren't EMFs flying around to make this happen. It's just a simple off and on again from the existing light switch. Uh, It's a really cool product, and I really think you should check it out. Uh, You know that I rave about their beautiful blue light-free amber lights uh, and what they can do for the evening light in your home and what they can do to protect that natural rise in melatonin, uh, this could be fantastic if you do need light during the day but then you want that for the evening as well. Go check it out, Uh, and everyone around the world listening can make the most of this 15% off with Lotox Lotox 15 because they offer free, uh, not free necessarily, but international shipping, so you can get uh, a hold of the products from anywhere. I also wanted to mention the wonderful BioFirst. Oh, my gosh, have I had some incredible feedback things to the tune of I have tried every single product out there in existence for my contact dermatitis or for my rough patch on my elbow or for my psoriasis or for the eczema, and finally something works. So BioFirst is a beautiful family Australian business and their product Manuka Skin Saver, which is $50, if you buy that this month, you then get their SOS treatment product, uh, the self-heal salve, which, you know, think um, itchiness from gardening, hives, uh, a burn, a bite, those sorts of things, the self-heal salve is what you want and that's worth $30. So you're getting a $30 product free with the purchase of the Manuka Skin Saver. Incredible ingredients, Australian-made, pure, non-synthetic formulations, no petroleum, uh, really, really great brand, safe for the whole family. Um, I've chatted to them myself. They're beautiful people, very clever when it comes to herbal medicine, and I think you should try it. Just give it a go. So you don't have a code or anything for this. You have a shopping link. That link is available in my bio in, on Instagram or on the show notes, which you can find at slash podcast and then you just click on today or any of the last couple of days a couple of weeks shows it's there for you to make the most of as always a big thank you to our major sponsor Oz Climate, making the finest air filters available that I've come across I'm powering the little mini in night mode so that it's quiet while I'm podcasting today, uh, and it's that fantastic little compact one, which actually looks great in a room. I know that might sound strange to say, but a lot of air filters are very ugly. So I love my little compact air filter from Oz uh, Climate, and you have 10% off their range with low tox life at the checkout. That's it. That's all the wonderful swaps that these beautiful brands are helping you do. Thank you guys for supporting the. show show and now let's talk hair ties. Enjoy. Hello Rachel and Jesse. How are you guys doing? Great. So happy to be here with you. Yeah, thanks uh, for having us. Alex. I'm happy to have you guys. Uh, I came across your hair ties, uh, shout out to Nourish Life originally. Uh, I know Biome sell them as well and a couple of other fantastic retailers here in Australia. Um, and I remember thinking, you want what for hair ties now? <laughs> <laughs> but, but because I had been on the low-tox journey for so long by that point, I was like, Alex, that's a shocker. Like, you know, what it, What do you teach? Buy once, buy well, look after things, like buy mm-hmm. better, all the stuff. But because I'd never thought about it with mm-hmm. hair ties and scrunchies and things like that, I caught myself out with my outdated thinking. And it was it was quite shocking to me that you can be so easily sent back to a place of an old understanding when it's a new category that you hadn't thought about before. So I'm really excited about uh, you, you guys and the work you're doing and to get this sector of the haircare market uh, into a better place, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, wa- I want to find out everything. But I- I'd love to ask you first, Rachel, how did growing up on Norfolk Island inspire you to create this business because that's quite remote was it a yeah. an environmental story for you
1: so um, you know when you are raised in a really remote setting and that's I, I was born there so that's what that was my normal um, and it's incredibly you know it's subtropical islands so it's very idyllic like it, it really is incredibly beautiful and because it is so remote it is still thankfully very pristine and untouched. it's not super developed per se. We've got a lovely town but there's a lot of nature untouched nature still which is which is all around you. It's not like packed um, residential areas. you literally like from my home it was a rolling valley into the ocean. So you know that was my imprint in my mind growing up was just the beauty of nature. and my parents weren't hippies at all. Though so my dad is a ninth generation Islander from like the, mutiny oh, of the bounty, wow. like the original descendants. So I'm an, uh, yeah. So I'm from the mutiny of the bounty. So he's been like nine generations raised on this Island. So you are completely dependent on the land for your survival because a ship might come every three months. So you need to, you need to have yourself or family that, you know, grows food, like meat, milk, you know, all all those kind of basics. Mm. Um, Don't get me wrong. We do get a ship every three months. So, you know, (laughs) we we do get staples and because of shipping so bad nowadays, um, there's a lot of air freight, which costs a fortune, but Mm. being raised there, you really do. I think for me personally, I'm a very sensitive person. I learned later on, but I love beauty and I love nature and it wasn't something you know, like I did plant trees when I was young and things like that. But really, it was just the the kind of the health of like when things are stressful, even as a kid, just to be able to sit in nature or under a tree and just feel that sense of peace, um, belonging, acceptance, all those feelings of like healing that was just within me from a very young age. So that was definitely just just part of my fiber um, and then yeah as the journey went on where I went lived in North America for a long time and was not on that beautiful island for 25 years of my life yeah the story so yes it, it, it definitely has shaped who I am and um just my connection to I think to to the greater like to what sustains us really
2: and and also the interconnectedness of it all how
1: yeah on Norfolk yeah Definitely. Like if you don't take care, like it's amazing when you go there, everyone really takes care of their property. Sorry, I should never make a blanket statement. But as you drive the streets, everyone's home is so well looked after. And it's because there's no like municipality that's cleaning up your garbage or cutting the lawns out. Like you really have to look after it. And if you don't, things grow really fast there. So the woody weeds will take over or like nature will take like you need to maintain that that balance within your your land which is really keeps you really active but like for example our garbage if you like single-use plastic is a major problem there because we don't have like a city you know type of recycling yeah, there's deal. no recycling van that's going to come pick it up mm-hmm. totally so we it's still even now we're constantly trying to perfect our garbage solutions like we we do have um, air like we have air freight off so many things that just cannot be properly recycled to bring to australia which is a massive cost for us mm. it's over a million dollars that our municipality has to pay in shipping yeah. recyclable materials off. Wow, it's insane so we're constantly looking at solutions like can we remelt down the plastic which is really exciting to make like fence posts and all different ways to reuse so just from the very beginning you're always trying to figure out like every every time you buy something, you're like, this is literally going to stay on the island. Like if I'm buying like floss, plastic floss, it's like that's going to be sitting, like that landfill, this island's three by five miles. It's tiny. It's not like far away. I'm not going to see it. It's not too far at all. Like, and then if it, like for a long time, some things like, like glass, well, glass, for example, would go get smashed and end up in the ocean, which is, it gets like melded down, which is beautiful. So you end up with people making you know, like jewellery out of beach glass, things like that. So there's, there's just a constant, you never let go of that thing you buy, you'll see it again. So yeah, you become yeah. very
0: aware of consumption,
1: yeah. waste. there
0: is no away, right?
2: Yeah. Mm. Well
0: put. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and because like in the city or in a big country like Australia, you hear there is no away and mm-hmm. Most people would be like, yeah, but I still really like that. So I'm going to yeah, go ahead yeah, and buy exactly. that. But in Norfolk, you just, how small did you just say? Three by five? Miles, yeah. Miles. It's, it's just
1: it's, really small. And, That's and teeny the tiny.
0: There really is no way. So you would feel that as a very heavy, very real, very on your back steps kind of way. And I feel like that is, um, it's really unfortunate that we don't all get to feel that the heaviness of that because I think things would change super fast if we really, really did. Definitely. Mm. If you're living with urine garbage, you really understand. I mean, look at the awesome Rob Greenfield who I've had on the show a couple of times. Right now, he's actually doing his original experiment that got him famous for talking about waste again. So he did this years and years ago, I think like a decade ago, and he's doing it again, where for a month he is collecting all of the rubbish from eating a standard American diet and using standard American products. And it's being attached to him over the month through bags that are then sort of attached with um, tape. And he looks like this kind of like he can't even walk now. It's day 31. As we record this, I encourage everybody to have a listen to the show. I'll put it on the show notes that I talked to him about this experiment, what it Taught him and how it helped helped him start conversations because that for me is such a powerful. It's not going away. It is here, and this is what it looks like when you have to wear it. It's heavy and it's awful, and it makes you feel sweaty. And you're surrounding yourself with endocrine disruptive chemical vapor. Like the list goes on. And it just makes no sense for us or the planet.
2: Yeah, it. I mean, I think one of the, the advantages of growing up on Norfolk or living on Norfolk, but any small community is you like you got to see your waste, whereas most of the rest of the world, the Western world, especially exactly. you kind of hide it behind a curtain and mm. and you so you, you lose you you disassociate. You you completely disassociate yourself from what you're creating in your wake effectively and and I think that was, you know, that's such a founding part of who we are as people. Just, you know, I've been fortunate, Rachel and I have been together for 20 years. I've been going to Norfolk that time. We've lived there on and off. And and you see how really it's such an advantage to viscerally see the waste you're creating, just like what you're describing, because it really makes you stop and think about everything you're consuming, you know, and and you you look around and, and everything you touch. I mean, it's something as small as a hair tie. Is, is creating waste. And all of that compounds and adds up and to have the ability to see it firsthand. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it's a real shocker, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where did you grow up, Jesse?
2: I'm from Vancouver, so the west coast of Canada. Um, also a really beautiful natural habitat, but, you know, advantage of having landfills and people that truck away your garbage and your recycling. We have a very progressive recycling program on the West Coast in Canada, but um, I would say that I grew up quite disassociated from the waste I was creating. I, I think that for sure happened. I mean, we'll probably get to it a little bit later, but there was we had a real kind of aha moment that found, that helped us create this company. Um, Rachel and I uh, were working in kind of career jobs. Rachel is a designer. I'm uh, in sales marketing as a background. Uh, we were in our late 20s and just decided things were getting a little too real at the moment for us. And we wanted to step back and see more of the world. And so we, we sold everything and we uh, we bought a one-way ticket to Asia and, and just kind of traveled overland wherever, you know, wherever kind of the path led for, for a year. Um, and one of those early places, we ended up in uh, Indonesian Borneo, but not in a tourist hub and actually an incredibly industrial city where... We were approached a few times by locals saying, "Why on earth are you here?" Mm-hmm. We were trying
1: to go see the orangutans. But we took <laughs> we that on, <laughs> on a severe budget. Yeah, we took the, yeah the back door route to find yeah. them. <laughs> love
2: um, it, love it. one of those locals owned a recycling plant in this town in Borneo, and he spoke English, and he took us under his wing for the week or so we were there, and he gave us this behind the scenes look of this town and. What he really impressed upon us is, I mean, the waterways were so polluted and everywhere it was polluted, but what he really impressed upon us is so much of this waste that you're seeing is, is the is the aftermath of Western consumption. This is not necessarily products being made for us here. These are products being made to ship overseas, and this is the detriment that's left in behind. And so it was this kind of behind-the-curtain moment for us where it was just... I mean, you can have that in so many different ways, but for us, it was just It such was just a... so
1: visceral. It was so sad because, like, I, I think it was just the contrast. We'd gone to Borneo to go and see the orangutans. As we mm. flew over, we're going over all these palm plantations, complete endless, deforestation endless. of natural habitat. Yeah. And then we're like, and then we arrived. Was it Masin? Is that the of yep. the town? And I just didn't expect it, but it was an industrial hub. And it was mm. just so filthy. Like we'd just been, had we been in India already for three months? No, no. But it was just so, um, it was so filthy. Like there was just nothing. It looked like there was nothing in place. Like us, our streets are all cleaned. There was nothing in mm. place. And I was just like, and then when and then when we chatted with him more and learned that there was nothing in place, that's why he set up this recycling depot because he was selling he was selling the plastic yeah yeah so there yeah. was so much waste he had built a huge center there thank god um yeah. but it was just right then and then when we were looking you're like this they're living in my garbage on the other side of the world and I get to pick this pretty plastic cleaned thing off a shelf in a well-lit store and I think <laughs> I've got myself something and I was just like, this is so disgusting, you know. It's, it's so just-
0: crazy, isn't it? I, I I had a similar aha, um, but it wasn't around recycling, but it was, I'm from Mauritius on my mum's side, so another teeny tiny island, not quite as small as Norfolk, but pretty small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I grew up with the benefit of pristine beaches and an incredible childhood. Um where Coke bottles, like, were returned to the shop and then refilled and all that kind of, wow. you know, those systems that were in place Great. were amazing. I mean, you know, not that we want anyone drinking Coca-Cola, but <laughs> <laughs> as long as you were drinking soda, there was a plan and there was no waste around it. It was all glass and recycled bottle tops. And um, then stopped going quite as often, you know, you start having to pay for your own ticket. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> I understand and, uh- that well and uh, I was there with my son six years ago Uh, we were there for my cousin's wedding it was beautiful but we one of the best things that happens is someone in the family says why don't we take a boat for a picnic and everyone puts their hands up who wants to go and you start packing the food and you get on the little the speedboat and you head out in the middle of the Indian Ocean to one of the little islands and you set up camp for the day and you know beautiful stunning And my childhood memory of that is beautiful, stunning, pristine. But here I was as a 40, 40, 41 year old woman, uh, and frankly, shocked at the amount of plastic. As you, you know, that way where you kind of look at the landscape and it's okay, but then you put a little close up on the sand and you're like, what's that little blue fleck? What's that little red fleck? Oh, my gosh that's a broken down plastic coca-cola lid in tiny little pieces fishing nets and then you start to see everything then you start to see like a toilet lid and yes. you just it all just starts to hit you like a ton of bricks and i think once you have those moments if you can reflect on them meditate on them often so that you stay close to how awful that that feeling of realization was because I think it can fade and then old habits come back. Um, I've certainly noticed that in my own life, but if I just reflect back, and think, uh, okay, no, really don't need this. It is helpful for actually imprinting it and, and making the change because there really is no way. And if a tiny island in the middle of nowhere can end up with tons of plastic yeah, it's so waste, sad. you just like, you realize it's all in our oceans and then boom. And so many people have had these realizations in the last five yeah. years, I'd say, especially. Um, but uh, the beautiful thing, I think, you know, we don't want to harp on about the negative too much here, but it is awful. But the beautiful thing is it can change so fast. Yeah. yeah. With people just being aware and changing how we buy stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it, it really is just if as soon as you get that aha moment that we're at this point in time, there are so many alternatives and, yeah. and convenient alternatives. Yeah, and, like.
0: and performing alternatives like when i I I first went lotox i always joke with people about trying to spread my first lotox sunscreen 18 years ago (laughs) honestly like an olympic sport like trying to just move that thing across your arm and get the coverage and then you look like you look you look like really covered yeah yeah very covered (laughs) extremely covered (laughs) <laughs> um, and I think, uh, I think about what we have available now and it's like, wow, some of us had to suffer as pioneers uh-huh. back then to create the market to then Yeah. We supported. Give yeah. Give confidence yeah. for small businesses to start changing things. Um, so yeah. I guess that brings me to asking you guys, why hair ties? I'm very curious.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I guess it was probably 12 after that trip, um, that we were mentioning where we were backpacking and really just wanting to take that time because we were in our corporate fields and um, we just were like, you know, we've got a lifetime of working. Let's find something that's meaningful. Like we're going to spend more time working than not working. What can we invest those hours in for our life? So that year was really about taking time to truly listen and be open to receiving some type of indicator as to what we could do that was going to be really meaningful in our lives and our work so at the end of that year i um i actually did my my yoga teacher training um and that was kind of us. we both did our trainings in separate in separate um disciplines and at that time um kind of the fad well it still is in athletic wear is like a polyester you're literally putting on a plastic suit essentially So, yeah, it's all. Well, fortunately, now there are some companies that do like recycled plastics, which is great, but still.
2: We were living in Vancouver. It was right as Lulu was, Lulu Lemon, which is a Vancouver company, was exploding onto the world. So and Lulu, a lot of great things, but every material they do is is highly synthetic. It's all.
1: Yeah. And so as I'm doing my yoga training and it's know, world where we're talking about, you know, it's like health for your body, health for the planet. It's about unity, union. And I'm like, I'm covering myself like in plastic. This just makes no sense. So I was looking at natural, natural alternatives. like So textiles that were also really high performance and were made for an active lifestyle. So it's hard to find like you can find like casual T-shirts and things, but not like athletic wear in natural fibers. So um that actually was kind of the tipping point like uh so I designed um a couple styles of headbands just des- des- designed the hair ties designed some shawls so it's just a very very small accessories line. So that's actually where it started. I just wanted 100% natural ingredients, high performance, high function and that was the that was the quintessential beginning of the hair ties. That wow. was uh, 12 years ago we started designing them.
0: Mm-hmm. 22.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. so simple story but,
0: yeah. (laughs) Nice. And so I want to know because I had a a wonderful woman who um, has that brand uh, called A Very Good Bra and she took us through like everything right down to like the little Mm -hmm. um, latches and the stitching and so much to think about. Did you guys find the same as you were um, building up the production
1: yes uh, and
0: um and logistics
1: always um probably big, still yeah. yeah 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 all yeah always it's never when you're making a truly conscious product from like every single step from the in the input of the ingredients so for us um it's just two plant-based ingredients so it's natural rubber which is fair forest but like it's it's certified so it's under the
2: forest stewardship council plantations so um
1: and then and then it's certified organic cotton so Mm -hmm. that elastic didn't actually exist in the world Um, wow so we the first job is finding when you're starting with no business finding a supplier that will it's really selling your idea so Mm -hmm. that they will invest in you and making you a brand new product they've never made before so it's it's so first it took a long time to find an elastic manufacturer that would even use two ingredients that weren't their typical ingredients. So that took a very long time. We were manufacturing out of the US at that time, which was great. Um, so then we've been through a million renditions. So we started like elastic comes in weaves and uh, knits. So then we are we were doing a woven elastic for years and then we switched to a knit. And then there's ways of, it, it just goes on and on from s- the construction of the label. How does it under do you want
2: to yeah? No, I mean there's it's
1: just very detailed.
2: One of the earliest pieces of advice we got, and I don't know why, but it just stuck. And we it's been a bit of a mantra of ours ever since is somebody that had started a business said simple is hard enough. And it's something that we come back to over and over again. And you think a product like a hair tie is simple. Um what your friend is saying with the bras where there's probably a lot more working parts. But at the end of the day, even going into a hair tie, choosing your packaging, choosing the thread, you know, you have to be accountable on the thread, you can't use uh, a synthetic thread, which is much more common, you need to use a thread that is uh, that is biodegradable um, to the packaging to the envelopes that you ship in. Um, so there are just so many working parts and that doesn't touch on any of the ethics of the, the certifications well, and, of all of the inputs that go into and then the it.
1: actual like functional design of the product like how much do you want it to stretch how much does it have to retract when you wash it what happens when you
2: dispose of it what happens it's
1: yeah it's it's a we've probably redesigned this hair tie I'd say like at least maybe eight at least eight times in the last 10 years wow and do you find one of the issues is around your suppliers then
0: staying in business and still being able to buy from certain people because If it's niche for them as well, that sometimes works and then it sometimes doesn't.
1: Yeah, very
2: true. We've traditionally been a small player for any of our suppliers. I mean, that's changed in recent years, Mm -hmm. uh, which we've been very fortunate. We've been able to help a lot of suppliers. But yeah, I mean, one thing, you know, it it comes back. Most of these businesses, they're not conglomerates. They're small businesses, too. And it kind of just keeps coming back to supporting small business because they're really the engines that keep everything going. Um, And yeah, we've unfortunately had businesses that were great partners and, you know, we did everything we could to, to be a great partner to them, but still market forces had them close. And, and I mean, it's the nature of business you have to then learn and adapt. And, you know, that first instinct is always panic and like, Oh my goodness, it's over, Mm. it's over. And then no, you kind of lay out your cards and like, okay, here's what we can do. And, you know, we learned early in this is always have a plan B, you know, yeah. always, always have. A not that we B. have it
1: all the time, but you run for <laughs> that plan B. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there is a lot of moving with, with manufacturing. manufacturing. It's yeah. It can be highly stressful. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and also for us, there's not a lot of choice, which is really different because like mm-hmm. we do... Like we don't want to, one of our just personal things that we're not wanting to do any business out of China. And um, this type of product, almost all of them are made in China. So your options for suppliers is like, okay, now we're down to like 0.1% of like, so to find them is a big challenge. And then the price is way higher, straight from the beginning. You're going to be, so our starting our starting price and our ingredients that we use is just like a completely different product.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like
1: comparable. And so where is it produced? So we've got two lines being produced in two places. Originally, our products were all made in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and then that was a family business that did during that time, We they closed. So Aww. we, Yeah we well he started doing a new career path okay. so he, he was really happy good for him we after school I wish yeah. him all the that best. was great yeah. <laughs> um and his mom still helps us now and then when we need it which is great um and then so we moved our which we were really excited about by that point I think we we're already six seven years in so we were really excited to find a fair trade partner out of southern India um that is a big community support too there it's actually run by nuns in that area so they work with the community there and give back a lot. So we were super excited to actually find that partner after all that time. So they do our flat hair ties. So this, the reason for that is that it's act, these are sewn. So they're very um, extremely tedious to do on a sewing machine because it's so little. So they're very labor intensive, even though it's a tiny little product. Um, So that's in Southern India. And then we just actually found another wonderful partner that's um, a fourth generation family business based out of Japan, which we're super excited about. And that takes a different type of technology to make. So these ones are not hand sewn. This is like more like the traditional hair tie. So this is a special machine that seals them together. So that's a different production line. Yeah. round hair and so, so what
0: Rachel was just holding up for the people listening was the flat sort of more chunky mm-hmm. yep. wider hair tie return. and then the more traditional oh I can grab a pair of six-pack at the pharmacy yes. kind of round um tubular I guess hair That's tie I've right never word. really had to technically describe <laughs> a hair tie before <laughs> I hope I, like I did you. okay <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was wonderful <laughs>
0: Um, Okay, interesting. So, yeah, no one thinks about the extra labour involved with uh, like a a
1: reinforced stitching that
2: um, a flat hair
1: tie requires. No, it's hilarious. Um, It does make the product three times stronger than any other hair tie because it is literally... This thing does not break. No, it won't break. I can tell you. I've had
0: them for four or five years. (laughs) Uh, and it—they it, are still going strong. It is crazy. have they even lost any elastic. How do you do
1: that? Well, that's awesome. I'm happy. Like, it depends on like, they—they they will always stay together because they are sewn. Eventually, the rubber inside mm-hmm. of the actual like the the woven um, organic lesson, it will slip because mm-hmm. it is woven in. So after time, it will start to like recoil. But if you, depending on how you use it, depending on the specific hair tie that was made, yeah, we, we can last up to five years. They they won't actually break. They just won't look as good as they did when you first bought them. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and I guess the thing that I've noticed with my um, old lot, because I just got some new ones, um, is that the the elastic capability just goes a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, but that's five years worth. And the thing that I found really interesting for me was spending, I can't even remember what it was, like twenty bucks for a four pack yep. or something, something around there, right?
2: in was, yeah,
0: yeah, in Australian dollars. And uh, like like I said at the beginning, like what? <sighs> but like because it was so much, I was so much more careful. <laughs> and when I took it off, I would always put it in the little pocket of my handbag, so I always knew where it was. And you know if we're going to be low tox with that food bind body home, and planet peace, the mindset shift of actually just looking after our stuff better has to be a part of that. And I think then, you know, uh, it's like buying a two $300 solid Technics pan, but your grandkids' grandkids exactly. are going to have that pan. Yep. So, I, you know, forget the $20 Teflon pan at the supermarket. It's expensive to the earth. ends up being expensive to you because you have to buy 20 of them over your lifetime.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. We... You know, um, the, the product that we make is is made entirely of plants. So as Rachel mentioned, it's organic cotton and natural rubber. Basically, every hair tie, bef- every commercially made, I should say, hair tie before we came along was made from synthetic ingredients, so petrochemical-based products. Um, so anytime, you, they, they often come in fan- shielded and fancy words like um, synthetic or polyester or um, yeah, well, just- a myriad of others
1: spandex, all of those, elastine.
2: But at the end of the day, they're they're not going to break down. Like, and that's the product feature is that they stay intact forever. And then what happened? In, Even
1: when in, they're broken, they hair, will stay in a nice little straight line <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> forever. And over time, hair ties, because the goal with the people making them was to make them as cheap and plentiful as possible. One of the features of the hair tie was that they would break because, you know, a company wants to <laughs> you constip- need to
0: buy new ones
2: more yeah, and more. Exactly. exactly. It's a feature of the product yeah. that they are made to break.
0: It's a very conscious uh, design decision to create it, a return it, customer. Yeah.
2: You know, and, and that's something that we see from the inside because we know it doesn't have to be that way. That's why we take so much time to lab test every one of our products against basically every other hair tie to see, we always have to be a stronger. minimum of two times stronger than any other product. Um, and it's possible. It's really just, a, it comes down to desire. And we're doing that with plant-based materials, let alone, you know, using any synthetic materials that are designed not to. So, you know, while the rubber does degrade, I think to me, that's a feature of our product, not a bug The what's happened is you're literally your plant product is slowly decomposing that's what you want because when you're done with that product you want it to break down the rubber does break down over time as opposed to another hair tie that will outlive even your great 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 grandchildren
0: yeah Um, that's it you know even though it lasted a tenth of the time in your purse
2: exactly on your
0: head yeah
2: and one of the greatest, like the most enjoyable things about what we get to do is the conversation starter that this product does. I, mm. I think that's really, it's like a gateway to a whole new world is if you stop and think about your hair tie all of a sudden and like...
1: That's such a tiny thing in your world. Yeah, <laughs> well, think, one of my
0: first blogs that's... was on Tooth Floss.
2: Yes. yes. And like it exactly. got
0: shared and retweeted good and dentists around the world were like, oh my gosh, thank you. And yes. I'm like, wow, Tooth Floss did this? But yeah. You know, everything matters.
2: Yeah. You know, that's a great I one. I mean, just like tooth loss, I, I would say a hair tie is one of the most ubiquitous products on earth. Mm. You know, when you think about the amount of people that need a hair tie. I wouldn't um, play
0: tennis without it. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> and, and if you start to watch for them, it's kind of like your and uh your story earlier about the island in Mauritius. Like, you know, if you start to look down on the ground, you'll you'll start to see them everywhere. And If they're on the sidewalk, if they're on the pavement, inevitably, you know, rain's going to come, wash them into a storm drain. And I mean, that's the story of that product. Um, So it's it, it is it's a very small product, but it becomes symbolic of so much more. Like if you look twice at a product as simple and small as a hair tie, what about looking at every other product you're consuming on a regular basis like floss? And, and it really opens your world to like, oh, well, you know, there are actually incredible better options to basically every one of those products that become problematic.
0: Yeah, that's right. And can I ask, given it's a hundred percent natural ingredients that make up the hair ties, mm. how do we dispose of them mm.
1: in yeah, the yeah. end?
0: Like, do you just bury it in your garden and it eventually just breaks down?
1: So, what you can do, like I find with my ones, if like they, they're not looking a hundred percent, I'll just reuse them, like until they're really gone. But it takes a really long time for it those plastic yeah. to really be done. But if you're just like, okay, this guy needs to be retired, and you're just <laughs> like, I'm not going to see it like wrapping up anything else anymore. The best thing to do is just to increase the surface area of it before you bury it or compost it. So chop it up small is the mm, best. That way the yeah. microbes can really get into it. So just chop it up really small. You can stick it in just like for us we just bury it with our compost just yeah. with some compost just in the ground but depending on where you are maybe you don't have ground maybe you're in an apartment and you don't have so I would just chop it up re... either way chop it up small um I'm not sure about Australian compost. Generally for home composting, like if
2: it's industrial composting, um, we unfortunately advise against. So our our products are made 70% out of organic cotton, 30% natural rubber. Organic cotton will biodegrade completely within six months. We've done lots of testing on this. The natural rubber takes longer. It's a harder product. It takes longer to break down. And this is why it's so important to increase the surface area because it will break down quicker. Based on everything we've been able to do in research and our own testing, that natural rubber should disappear anywhere from one year to 10 years, depending on the Watching environment it's put. Um it's not a perfect product in that is in that respect, but it's it it significantly when you compare and contrast that timeline to, you know. Four, four, 500 years for a synthetic rubber, which is made uh, from a petrochemical-based product, is it, it's like night and day. So it's um, we always like Rachel said, reuse, reuse, reuse wherever possible. They're great for tying up electrical cords. They're really great. A lot of gardeners love them for staking plants. Um, there's there's a lot of ways you can still Use reuse a, a very unsightly elastic if it gets to that point in, in really great ways before you eventually do retire it
0: yeah I love that idea of like i um, just tying you know you could even cut it up and just oh, tie yeah, just a yeah. branch like to a stake to keep your little tree yep. I've got a little baby orange tree growing at the moment and keeps oh, wanting perfect. to go every which way but up so, <laughs> so, so you've given me an idea for my favorite colored headband hairband that has um has carved it recently um that's if perfect it's a, it's love. yeah And again, that's the mindset, right? What else could I do with this instead of oh, it's done, it's old? That's fun
1: for me. Like, I really like. I'm always wanting to. We we don't have a specific place, but I want a specific place on our website that's like, what is your kushu hair tie doing now? You know, like Mm. to me, that's so fun. It's oh, like
0: like those articles about like, um, you know, past childhood actors. Like, where are they
1: now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then you can have like this gorgeous picture of like yeah. all
1: brand new and fresh. And then like, you know, just looking <laughs> different, still <laughs> tell an endearing story. Oh mm. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just so fun people are fun so creative that. and there's a million ways to use an elastic. So it's mm. it's just it just helps you think, "Oh yeah, I didn't need to buy something new. I can just reappropriate." Mm-hmm. I think problem solving, like being like zero waste or just being mindful, it's all about problem solving and reappropriating. So I'm always looking for ways to do that in all parts of my life. So it's always fun to see other people thinking, "Oh, I can use it for this." You're like, "Yes." Mm. So yeah.
0: And I was thinking about this recently, um, just looking. I think it's probably because I've just read Stolen Focus by uh, Johan Hari and talking about the effects of social media. This might sound like a really bizarre tangent, but I think it relates. So um, the idea that uh, social media forces us all into this dopamine. Uh, cycle of chasing something. Um, Reality TV does it in a voyeuristic kind of way as well and we have so much of these things around now and it's taking so much of people's energy to fight with other people on social media about things that they've never actually become active about in any way shape or form to change what they would like to see changed and, and then becoming more polarized and hateful, all the things. And I always just think, like, you're just simple pointing out of how um, there's so much potential for creativity and thinking, oh, what can I do with this? Like, imagine if we just harvested all of that attention span into this kind of stuff instead. And it's so lovely and caring and conscious and much better for our nervous systems um, and therefore for our focus, like we could get some pretty cool stuff done.
1: Totally. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a, yeah, you've got to be so mindful. It's just being, it's just consciousness. You just have to be like, it's, it is really intense time. There's so much information. Um, And also the norm, unfortunately this norm is not being conscious. So it's, it's, you're constantly having to, remind yourself like okay no don't get tranced into that okay how do i feel in my body like what is yeah true to me versus what is being pumped in my face yeah so yeah i um that's one thing with our like cushion community and like any conscious brands oh you just get to be and the community is just so beautiful you know it's people really wanting to live mindfully Um, Do their part, you know, it's a very hot, hot centered way of um, living and being and, and creative. We're problem We're we're really our minds are in the game like you're really trying to do your part while you're here. And it's just such a vibrant, um, high energy like place to be so exactly the more places you can share in those communities will bring you so much energy it's really really cool
0: yeah absolutely and can i ask just one last little question the name where does that come from mm.
1: oh kushu yeah 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 it's such it's such a wonderful word to say it mm. is it's totally cute um so kushu is actually coming back to Norfolk Island so Norfolk Island there there is a native language um it's originally from when the pit Cairners and the mutineers from the bounty when they in the first couple of generations that old english and that tahitian language mixed and it's called the norfolk language mm-hmm. and the word kushu it's in our greetings so if someone um sees you the first thing that you'll hear them say is what are you which is how are you and if all is well your answer is kushu so kushu is awesome. just a, yeah it's like a it's all good it's yeah, all good yeah. it's a state, of, it. a state of wellness a state of just yeah just contentment Mm. so with our brand it was just kind of like that that cornerstone that was like every part of our process every part of our from materials to manufacturing to the end customer to using the product it all has to be kushu. everyone has to feel good all the way through that's kind of how we make our choices and it's kind of like leads us
0: yeah so I love it well thank you so much for sharing the story behind your brand but also this really um uplifting conversation I think around waste and what it means to be human today and all play mm-hmm. our part uh, I think we can't have enough conversations like this to inspire each other to lift our game with whatever yeah. the next step looks like in our own little corner um, yeah. congrats on making my favorite hair tie it's been oh, awesome oh. having you guys on the show
1: thank um, you and uh and I really look forward to seeing what you guys do down the track yeah, definitely. It's been such a pleasure. It, it really inspires us to get to speak with individuals like yourself. And, yeah, thank you for doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And if you have any other hair accessories that you're looking for, <laughs> let us know. We yeah. want to help. I know. Yeah. I know. I, well, you know what? Actually, I think I'm speaking for
0: a lot of people listening right now who would like a really good low-tox shower cap back in their lives. There was one brand doing it a few it. years ago. They went out of business. Don't need to do anything too crazy spectacular, but a couple of nice shades for the ladies to do.
1: And and I really think it would go well. You're on point. I'm going to follow up with you on that because Mm. I want one of those. Yeah. (laughs) I really do.
0: (laughs) I know. I
1: hate it when little bits of my hair get wet and then you have to do the
0: re... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Re-blow dry midweek. No, thank you. So no, yeah, I, I'm with you. your next challenge. I
1: love yeah. it. Thank you for that. I
0: love it. Okay. The seed is planted. Perfect. You've heard it here, folks. We're actually yeah. a business development podcast as yeah, well. like <laughs>
2: excellent. go. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a Bye. great day. Bye. So Take care. Alex. Thank you. Bye, everyone.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart S T U A R T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course lowtoxlife.com and if you want additional support and community around leading a low tox life i can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the low tox club for just $49 australian per year which is about 29-30 us about 27 euro and about 25 pounds you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the Explore tab, and you'll see Join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon.
2: Thanks again for tuning in.